Well, thank you. We're going to switch from the nervous system to the cardiovascular system now and talk about the disease that's the major killer in the United States and all the other countries of the Western world. If each of you uh, were to look uh, to your left and to your right, one of you three people is going to die of heart disease. Um, I'm sorry to bring the bad news. The good news, let me tell you the good news. The good news is it's totally preventable. We don't need a vaccine, we don't need a new discovery, we don't even need stem cells. We know how to prevent heart attacks and heart disease right now. And the problem has switched from one of science to one of social policy and human behavior. And it turns out that it's a lot easier to do the science than it is to change people's behavior. Um, my involvement in this began um, in 1968 when my scientific partner, Joe Goldstein, and I, we had been trained in medicine. We had finished our residencies, and we were working at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. And we saw a six-year-old girl who had uh, been admitted to the hospital uh, at the NIH because she was having repeated heart attacks. And her eight-year-old brother uh, was also admitted with the same problem. And both of them were having heart attacks because the blood vessels that carry blood to the heart muscle were being plugged up by cholesterol. Now we normally see that happening in 60-year-old men. Here it was in a six-year-old girl and her eight-year-old brother. And it was so bad that their hearts were beginning to fail, they couldn't even walk across the room without being short of breath. In 1968, there was nothing anyone could do about it. We didn't have coronary bypass surgery then. We didn't have angioplasties. There were no heart transplants. Now, what was the reason why these young children were having heart attacks? The reason was that the level of cholesterol in their blood was over 1,000. Now, you know, we like everybody now to be under 200. And for an eight and six-year-old kids, they should have cholesterol levels of about 150. But these two children had cholesterol levels that were six times above the normal level. And um, the two of us, Joe Goldstein and I, decided that we were going to try to figure out what was wrong with these children. And so we both went to the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School in Dallas, and we established a laboratory, and we spent the next 10 years trying to figure out why it was that these children had such a high level of cholesterol. We knew it had nothing to do with their diet, because when we were at the NIH, we'd put them on a zero cholesterol diet, uh, basically a rice diet for six months, and nothing happened to their cholesterol. It stayed at 1,000. And to make a very long story very short, what we found was that normal people have a way of removing cholesterol from the blood. Our livers have a filter system, we call it a receptor, that removes cholesterol from the blood. And in order to make these receptors and remove cholesterol from the blood, you have to have a particular gene. And these two children had inherited defective copies of this gene, so they couldn't remove cholesterol from their blood. And even when they didn't eat cholesterol, their bodies made enough cholesterol to fill up their bloodstream and fill up their blood vessels. So we began to think that um, maybe there's some way of um, treating this condition, not in, the, in these little children who didn't have the gene, but maybe 
in other people who had high cholesterols but had normal genes, and, and, but some, somehow their, their receptors weren't removing cholesterol from their blood. And uh, at this time, a scientist in Japan made a discovery. He discovered a drugs, the first drug that has come to be known as statins. These are the most potent drugs that lower cholesterol. And so we worked with this scientist and we found out that when animals were given one of these statin drugs, the gene that produced these receptors became activated and the cholesterol was drained out of the uh, blood of the um, animals and delivered to the liver and eventually excreted from the body. And then we worked with the Merck company, a, a major pharmaceutical company, very courageous pharmaceutical company, to develop these drugs and to clinically test them. And uh, the first time they were tested in a long-term clinical trial, they were shown to have a dramatic effect in reducing heart attacks. And now these drugs called statins, uh, Lipitor and Zocor and, and Mevacor, and those are their trade names, are now being taken by about 50 million people around the world. And we know that we're re preventing a lot of heart attacks. So that's been very rewarding. But the, really, the real news is that we shouldn't really need these drugs. That for those of us who have normal genes, the reason why our blood is, is being filled up with cholesterol is because we're basically eating too much cholesterol and too much animal fat. And if you look at populations where um, the diet is lower in cholesterol and fat, they don't need these statin drugs. They have low cholesterols in their blood, and they have 20 times lower rate of heart attacks than we do in the United States. And one of our colleagues has just found a, uh, uh, that some people have the opposite kind of mutation. In certain populations, about 3% of the people have a mutation that raises these receptors so that they actively remove cholesterol from their blood, and they have low cholesterol levels their whole lives, no matter what they eat. And these people have a 90% reduction in heart attacks compared with the rest of us uh, Americans. And that, and that reduction occurs even though they have, some of them have high blood pressure and cigarette smoking and um, all the other factors that we know contribute to heart attacks. But if their cholesterol is low enough, then they don't have heart attacks. So we can cure heart disease. And, and yet you ask, well, what's the government doing about this? Why aren't we all being um, urged to eat low cholesterol, low fat diets? There doesn't seem to be any kind of campaign going on, and I think that's um, a real tragedy. And maybe some of you, those of you who are interested in medical science, can do this, um, help us at the scientific level. Those of you who are interested in public policy and, and health, uh, can help us at a political level, but it's a tragedy that we have in our hands the means to stop the major killer of Americans, um, and we're not doing it. So with that, I urge you all to be very serious about your careers. I want to make one more point. Every other speaker, without exception, that I've heard over several years of these has talked about their own individual contributions. I want to point out the benefits that I've had of working with a scientific partner for 35 years. Joe Goldstein and I have done all of our work together. Uh, we share the joy and excitement. When a, when a certain result is obtained in the laboratory, we don't have to run out and tell anybody else. We just look at each other and we know how important and how exciting and how 
uh, wonderful it is. Uh, and we know, and then uh, the electricity of that moment, knowing that you can now do six more experiments and plan the whole next phase of your career, um, working together, is fabulous. Unfortunately, the public views science as an IQ test, and an IQ test uh, is something applied to an individual. But if you can find a partner to do your life's work with, uh, I assure you that what you give up in uh, ego, you get back a thousand times more in uh, shared experience and synergy. Thank you very much.